You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Good morning, and we are glad that you're here. Last week, I had the opportunity to kind of sneak away from here and go up to Medina just to observe. I tried to be incognito until I welcomed everybody at the church. But, but uh, what an exciting thing that our church is doing up there. We are two churches in one location. A couple of things that just absolutely amazed me. We are renting the Medina High School Performing Arts Center up there. Um, the first Sunday, they had 263 in attendance. I think that is incredible, incredible. Now, last Sunday, last Sunday they were a little bit down. They were only 200, but there's a really good reason we were down here last week because the kids were off school Thursday, Friday, and Monday, and like a lot of people just like vacated and took that weekend off. And so we were a little bit down, but they still had 200. Did you know that the average size of church in America is less than 100? So we're already twice that size there in Medina, and only 100 Northsiders went up there. So that means like 100 extra people. I don't know if you heard this or not, but the first Sunday, there was a lady there with her two kids, had never, ever, ever been in church before. That like blows me away. Uh, so we really hope that we're uh, going to win many, many more people to Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the things that was really exciting is when you go in, it just breathes Northside's DNA. It's really neat. It's the same people, same signage, same, same music, same, you know, it just really, really was neat. And everybody I talked to, all of our members, uh, they, they were excited to be there. They were excited to be a part. They were excited to be serving in that way. And as we were preparing for this even years ago, some of the things that we read was that people will step up that's never stepped up before. They will start serving in ways they've never served before. They will be excited about that. And, and we're seeing all of that very, very true. They're so excited. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but inside your program, I just want to call your attention to it, there is uh, this insert in your program. Get that out. Now, I'm not going to have you sign this today or anything, but when the people were going up to Medina, our Northside people, we had them uh, look at this for several weeks, and then they eventually signed it. And it was a covenant that uh, we didn't want them to just go up and worship, just sit back and relax, not do anything, enjoy, be entertained. We wanted them to serve Jesus Christ. And so this is a covenant that they made. Listen, um, number one, a commitment to consistency. We're going to be there for worship. We're going to be there uh, regularly. Our goal is to grow in whatever God wants us to be. Number two, a commitment to serve. We don't just want to go up there and sit down and watch everybody else do something. Number three, a commitment to be a disciple who makes disciples. And did you know that's what our job is? Sometimes I think that we're content with saying, okay, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That job is not finished until we become a disciple that makes other disciples in Jesus Christ. So they signed that. Number four, a commitment to unity, that we want to stand together. We just want to be Christians and Christians only. We want to follow the Bible and the Bible only. Uh, Number five, a commitment to our mission. Jesus Christ called us to love him, to love others, to serve others, and to win one to Jesus Christ. And, And so we want to unite together on God's word for that. And number six, a commitment to give, because we are stretching ourselves beyond the financial abilities to do this project. And so we've got to have their commitment, our commitment. We're all in this together to be able to serve. Now, I'm not going to have you sign that. I just, at, at least now, um, but I wanted, I wanted you to see that because those people have made a sacrifice, a commitment, a covenant to be able to serve. We could not do it without an exciting team that's willing to serve. And that's what they're doing up there. But that's the same truth here. We cannot 
we can't do it without a committed group of people that is our family, our team, that we are united together and serve. Now, we're in a series called I Love My Church, and because we love our church, we serve. Uh, it's like we love our family, so we serve our family. And, and so I want to talk about this service just a little bit. I want to pick an account when Jesus instituted the Last Supper. Uh, we call it the Lord's Supper. It's where he instituted the Lord's Supper. We do that uh, as the early church did every Sunday. Uh, it's also called the Last Supper because it was the Last Supper that Jesus had. But to set the scene of what's happening during this very spiritual time, when Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper, you know what his disciples are doing? They're arguing. You know what they're arguing about? They're arguing about who is the greatest. Now that sounds like a bunch of fifth grade school kids, doesn't it? It's like, come on. So let's look at that passage. Uh, They go back and forth, back and forth. And here's what Jesus says to them. Luke 22, 25 says, Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lord over them. In other words, that's the way the people in the world do. But verse 26, but you are not to be like that. You're not supposed to be some high and mighty leader that that just tries to boss everybody around. You're not to be like that. Now, a lot of commentators say the reason why they think that this argument was going around is because um, in that day, they walked long, dusty roads. They had sandals. When they would go into a house, their feet would be dirty. So the owner of the house would provide a slave, generally the, the lowest of slaves, maybe a kid, to wash everybody's feet. And this kid didn't show up, or the master didn't provide that, whatever the case was. And so they get in this argument, I'm not doing it, you're doing it, I'm not doing it. And it's kind of like, I can just see the, the disciples thinking about, well, you know, like Matthew. Hey, I ain't going to do it. I'm the one that walked on water, remember? I can see his brother Andrew, you know how brothers are? His brother says, yeah, Matthew, but you sunk. You know, I can see, uh, I can see James and John saying, hey, for the next several decades... Okay, people are going to name their children after us, James and John. Thomas says, I doubt it. You know, but I can just, the, the argument's going back and forth about who really is the greatest here. Um, and then what Jesus does is he teaches them this unforgettable lesson that you just can't, can't forget. Pick it up in verse 26, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. In other words, whoever's going to be great, your guy's going to be the ones that serve. Uh, You know, and I really think, here's Jesus at the end of his life. He's looking at his disciples. They're arguing about who's the greatest. Do you know he already taught that lesson? And it's like, what is wrong with you guys? You didn't get the first time. Look back at Luke chapter 9 for just a second. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them was the greatest. It's the same argument, right? Sometimes you wonder if people really ever grow up. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. He says, you know, look, just like this child, you've got to become like a little child if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's like, just like, who's the greatest? So I wonder if Jesus isn't real optimistic about teaching this lesson that they really haven't gotten all along already. So what Jesus does is he abandons the talking and he starts demonstrating by action in what he does. Now, the Gospel of John, same story, but it adds a different element that's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're all very similar. The Gospel of John is written later, and it adds some things the first three don't. Probably because it was a little bit safer at that time to say, hey, we need to make sure that we put this in, okay? So here's, here's the same account in John chapter 13. 
Verse 1 says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, what did Jesus do to show the full extent of his love? Here I'm going to show you guys. Matthew, I got a big old bear hug for you. I'm going to show you, man, you're really important to me. You know, oh, John, here, big old bear hug for you because I really appreciate what you do. You know, it's like, no, it wasn't a big bear hug that he was giving everybody to show extent of how much he loved them. Um, You know what he did? He chose to serve them. Pick it up in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power, and then he'd come up from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured a basin of water, water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, driving, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, can you imagine the room? Here, they're all arguing about who's the greatest, and I'm not going to do that job. And all of a sudden, they hear water sloshing. And it's like, oh, that kid must have showed up to wash everybody's feet. And out of the corner of their eye, the peripheral vision, they see, oh, that's Jesus. <gasps> He's like the boss. He's the master of the universe. He's the one that spoke the universe into existence. He is the one that left his home in heaven and came down to this earth to be a servant. Talk about a lesson. Wow. You know? So if we're going to be a Jesus' servant, and if we really want to show Jesus in the church how much we love him, we're going to serve others and faithfully serve. Even if nobody recognizes, even if nobody gives any acknowledgement, even if somebody doesn't ever really thank you. You know, and and to be honest with you, I think many of us see opportunities and know that we ought to serve. I think the problem comes with the follow-through and actually doing that. And I understand. It's it's awfully hard. Uh, Our calendars are already packed solid and to try to prioritize serving you know that just gets kind of really really hard so this morning what I want to do is I want to I want to talk about three principles that I think are very very vitally important a message for the church today here's principle number one serving must become a lifestyle rather than an isolated event now I have to be honest I have a little bit of fear you know getting ready to preach this message because my fear would be that people would think well I'm just really talking about this just so that you all sign up and and volunteer and do something at church well you are partially correct however my goals are much much bigger than that in, in our service to Jesus Christ look at this quote by Richard Foster there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant when I choose to serve I retain control about who I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I have given up all rights and all control. I want to leave that on the screen for a few minutes just for us to kind of let that soak in because there's a difference between serving like one time and really being a servant. Let let uh, Let me kind of explain it this way. When our church was built here, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago now, uh, we did everything through volunteers. Uh, And the excitement was high. People would volunteer. People would serve and clean and do and everything. By that end of that first year in the new building, of course, you can imagine hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, you know, we just kind of needed spring cleaning days. So we had a spring cleaning day, and people were just kind of supposed to sign up and come in, help us clean the building, which many, many of us did. And so uh, I'm kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. I kind of do a little bit of everything, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And so, you know, it's like, where do you want to serve? 
you know, I put uh, just wherever I'm needed, okay? And, and so it's like I can, whatever, just, I'm fine. Just put me wherever you, wherever you need me. And you know where they put me? They put me in the bathroom, cleaning the bathrooms. Probably figured that was probably the place that I could do the least amount of damage, right? Okay, well, it was kind of a fun day. Uh, if you can call cleaning the bathrooms a fun day. Uh, I met some pretty surprised members, especially in the women's restroom uh, there. But, um, you, you know, uh, you need to understand, I'm probably not really super good at cleaning the bathroom because I don't generally clean the bathroom. And it's like, Paula, you know, how do you clean the bathroom? She says, with a brush. It's like, what brush? She says, well, I use your toothbrush. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's just not something I normally do. So it's like, okay, I can clean the bathroom. And I had a lot of fun meeting people and talking with them rather than cleaning, but, but I did that. And, and Paula was doing something else here in the church. And so after that was over, because we was like 9 to 12, we get everything done. So afterwards, it's like we, we meet back up, and it's kind of like uh, spiritual, like uh, I clean the bathrooms. You're thinking like you're more spiritual because you have to do like a dirty job like that. What did you have to do? And, uh, you know, it's like you try, I apologize this. It's kind of like really built, building it up um, because I'm more spiritual because I clean the bathrooms, uh, which really defeats the whole purpose, by the way, of serving, cleaning the bathroom. And she says, well, if you really want to be spiritual, why don't you clean our own bathrooms? <laughs> and I quickly came back, well, because you never asked me. Wrong answer. Okay, wrong answer. I don't know what the right answer is, but that's definitely the wrong answer. You don't want to do that. Okay, but now here's the catch. When I signed up that day, I signed up. I chose to serve. I chose to serve on my terms, on my conditions. There was a definite starting time. There was a definite concluding time as well. Now we hire people to do the bathrooms. It's like, okay, I don't have to clean the bathrooms anymore. But I ought to pick up the paper towels when they're in there. Unless last week I was drying off because I thought somebody must have taken a bath across the counter on the bathroom. I don't know. But, but it's like, uh, it's not just a one-time thing that we sign up. We learn to be a servant. And I think when we learn to be a servant, there's a difference because we're giving up rights. And, and that's when we have to depend more on God to help us continue to have a good attitude and to serve and to do the things that he has called us to do. And that requires that dependence upon God. Look at First Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have been given, look, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So in other words, you've been given a gift. That may be cleaning the bathrooms. I don't know what it is. That's not my gift, okay? Um, uh, painting is another gift that I don't have. You can ask my wife. Uh-uh, because that's like I tell my wife, what do you want, speed or accuracy? And this guy's like, okay, uh, I want to get it done. She says, no, that's not how you paint. <clears throat> but, but whatever gift you have, it's to serve other people. Okay, you got that? So now, I saw this test. Let me give you this eye test that I saw uh, I want to show a picture of a, of a watermelon here. Okay, you see that watermelon? If you see that watermelon is red, you are a normal person. If you see it as green, you're a bit odd. If you see it as blue, you need to volunteer here at the church, okay? Just so that we're clear on that, there's tons and tons of stuff to do from tech to parking lot to our greeters to our Sunday school teachers and teaching the children and being in the nursery. Uh, just the list goes on and on and on. And I, you guys know that. But if you really love Christ and you love the church, you're going to find a place to serve because it's use whatever gift you've been given to serve others. Here's principle number two. When our motives are pure, our service is pleasing to God. 
And so we have to ask this, why do we serve? Is it just for recognition? Is it for a title? Is it so that somebody can see us? No, look at Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. In other words, selfish ambition and vain conceit are huge enemies to being serving Christ or serving the church or serving other people. They're the enemies of servanthood. You know, I think here in America, uh, we all get caught up in things. And I think in America, we live, mostly people live on one of three levels. The first level is the lowest. It is survival level. They live from paycheck to paycheck. They're living for the weekends. They fantasize about taking off and going on some exotic vacation somewhere. And if you find yourself doing that, you're just surviving. You're not really, you're not re really living. You're just surviving. That's the survival mode, and a lot of people are there. But there are more people in number two. Number two is the success level. And I think that's where a lot of Americans are. I think they're there because maybe we just live in America. Most of the world would love to have America's problems. For instance, we wonder how we're going to pay our mortgage because we've mortgaged ourselves to the hilt. We wonder about that. And yet the rest of the world, they wonder about how they're going to put food on the table for their children to eat that night. Uh, just altogether different. We have a home. We have possessions. We have prestige. We have pleasures in life like Baskin Robbins and cinnamon rolls. And, you know, and, and so, but, but, but so many people in this success level that so many Americans live in, so many people say, you know, there's still something missing. I, I got a whole, why, why do I feel so empty in life? So there's got to be something more than that. And so the third level, the third level is significance. Significance is that you understand God made you for, the, uh, for a purpose and that you matter in life. And because uh, when you start serving and you're starting to be here and doing what God has created you to do, then all of a sudden it takes you out of that success to the highest level, which is significance. We would hope that all of us would live a life of significance, and that comes from God Almighty, uh, knowing why we're here and serving. Uh, Bob Goff, in the last several years, has gotten to be very famous as an author. Listen to what he writes in his book, Everybody Always. He says this, our lives will never be about Jesus if we keep making everything about ourself. Now, isn't that our society? Isn't that why so many people struggle with serving Christ and serving people in the church and doing things that might be beneath them? So, so God wants to serve with a pure motive, and God notices those pure motives. Let me illustrate it this way, pure motives. It is when you have a, a tiny baby in the middle of the night who's messed their diaper and needs to be fed, and you feel like, you feel like sleeping in. But you get up and you take care of the needs of that child because your child needs you. That is because of, not because you're going to be, get paid, it's because you have this undying love for that child. And, and that motivates you to do what you even don't want to do. You want to sleep in. You don't want to clean up a dirty diaper. And so you will do that just because of pure love in you. That, uh, that's a pure motive. And God notices things like that. I'll give you another illustration. This last week, my wife and I, um, we, uh, we have four grandchildren in the area that are being homeschooled. And so we decided that once a month on a Friday, we would take uh, our grandchildren on a field trip, okay? So Friday was field trip day. We decided to take them up to the Holden Arbor Edom. And uh, it's kind of a big nature thing and just kind of teaching some things like that. So we're driving there. It's about maybe uh, 50 minutes or an hour away. And so about like three minutes before we get there, our eldest grandchild there that was nine years old, she says, I need a drink of water, I feel sick. And before we could get her the water back, it was like, Bleh! 
you know what happened, right? Okay, she got sick. It was all over the mat on the floor. The seat was, had a covering on it. It was all over the covering. It was on the, the, the seat. And it's like, oh. Now you have to understand, I don't do well with that, right? It's like, okay? And, and, and so it's like we're just, just almost there. We're off kind of like a highway. But So I pull off the side of the road. Now she's right behind me, the driver's seat. That makes it even worse, okay? And so, so we get out, and we hardly can't get off the road. We get out, and I open the door right up into where the traffic has to go by, and I just leave my door open because she's going to have to get out. We start getting the things out of the car, and I start cleaning off the car seat, and I just laid it right there in the road, and, and I take the mat finally out, and I take it behind the, the, uh, the car, and I start dragging it into the grass. Well, in the midst of all this, a policeman shows up. I have never been so happy to see a policeman in my life, especially when I'm driving. And he rolls down his window. He says, excuse me, can I, uh, do you need some help? I said, do we need some help? Goodness, she just threw up in the car. It's like, you have anything you way to help us? And he said, well, I don't really have anything to help you. And I said, well, we're going to the arbor. He says, that's just up the road. Maybe they have something. And he said, have a nice day. <laughs> and I'm thinking, he's driving away thinking, ain't nobody got time for that. They don't pay me enough to do that. And I'll let you know, it was hard for me to do that for my own children, let alone my grandchildren. But why? Why do you do that? Not because I'm going to get any money, not because I'm going to get any recognition, but it's because you love your grandchild or your child. And so when you have pure, pure motives to serve Christ and to serve the church, God notices those things. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help his people and you continue to help them. I think that is a great verse because it says even if nobody else notices, nobody gives you recognition, nobody even thanks you, God knows and he is going to reward you. Um, it, it, and your motives are, are so important. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. That's what he did. He became a servant. And that's why Jesus must always be the very center of our church. Because it's him who we serve. And everything we do should reflect him and his heart. I think that's one of the reasons I said in Matthew chapter 5, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why we serve. Not to feel good about ourselves, not to check mark off something off a checklist, not for recognition, but just because we love Christ and we love his church. And you may never get some of the recognition you think you should. You may never have a child that will grow up and, and write you an encouraging note thanking you for teaching them, but they may grow up and be a part of changing the world. But even if nobody else thanks you, you have one that does know the creator of this universe. And he has promised to reward you. Matthew chapter 25 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you've done for one of the least of these brothers of mine and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Serving. Just think, every time we serve and we're trying to help somebody in the church or outside the church, we're being Jesus to them and they're Jesus to us. Which kind of reminds me, in less than two weeks, we have the Jesus Prom. It, it is a, a big event that we host every year for special needs adults. For people that just, we want to make their life special. 
And so we still need, I don't know, 40 guides to just one-on-one. We want somebody to be their date, to just take them around, make sure they don't get lost or get in trouble or leave the building or just, you know, there's all places to serve in the kitchen, decorating, uh, setting up, tearing down, uh, all kinds of things. There's a, there's a booth outside just uh, to the left of the door as you exit, but I really encourage you to sign up. Uh, it, is, it is such a fun night to do something uh, for people like that, uh, that they'll never be able to repay you. That's not why we do it. And I think if you've been here before, you know what it's like. Uh, Ray is uh, our outreach ministry. He has a whole list of ministries that we do for uh, special interest groups. You know, somebody's grieving. Somebody, you know, and they, they need help to run some of those ministries. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to sign up. Um, here's principle number three. We're about out of time. But value others better than yourselves. This all started because they were, they were arguing, who is, who's the greatest? What are they doing? They're thinking they're better than somebody else. Look what happens in that passage in John chapter 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You have a great opportunity to serve here. Bob, Bob Goff also said, planning to love people is different than just loving people. It's easier to make plans than to make time. If this is you, here's how you fix it. Just make love your plan. Serve others. If my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who criticizes or who praises me. But if my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. We should serve. Love God. Serve others. Win one. Let me close with a story. Um, Bob Russell told this about his son. Bob Russell was in uh, Southeast Christian Church, Louisville, Kentucky, for years. He retired when they were 17,000. Now, his son, Rusty, has become a preacher. He preaches in Port Charlotte, uh, Florida, which is where Mark and Danny went to, to go minister. Uh, Danny is with us today. Good to see you again, Danny. I saw Mark, your husband, uh, a week or so ago. Um, but uh, Rusty, Rusty Russell's the preacher down there, and Bob had gone down to visit him one time. You know, Florida, a great place to visit, right? Um, and uh, he, he noticed that there were four of the football coaches that recently started attending church down there uh, where Rusty preaches, and a number of the players called him by name. And he, he, uh, he says, well, how's all this happen? And he, he says, well, I volunteer there at the football team. And then he asked Rusty, he says, Rusty, how did you get involved in this program? You have never played a game of football in your life. Rusty said, it was pretty easy. Dad, I went up to the coach and asked him what I could do to help, and then I discovered that he was personally laundering all the football uniforms every Saturday. And so I said, well, we can do that for you. So now after every game, I go to the locker room, pick up about 40 uniforms, throw them into sacks, lug them to the car, take them home, and pile them in the entryway of our house. <laughs> 
yeah, we have to fumigate the house now. But a couple of other families from church came, and they now take a share as well. Each launders the uniforms, and they take them back to school on Monday. And after the game, Rusty said, Dad, come to the locker room with me and give me a hand. Now, Bob Rusty, who preached at church, is almost 20,000 people. In two minutes, I was picking up sweaty, rank football jerseys and lugging them to the car. When we went back for the second load, the head coach walked by the door and yelled, Thanks a lot, Pastor Rusty. See you in church on Sunday. And then Bob said this, It's amazing how much influence you can have if, like Jesus, you humble yourself and wash uniforms or wash feet. Don't ever underestimate a single act of compassion and how powerful it can be in your life. In Matthew chapter 23, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so as we begin to include our message this morning, I want to again call your attention to our program. And in our program is our connection card. Rich has already mentioned it. You may have already filled it out and put it in the offering baskets. But on the back of that, um, it, it's a serving card. And if you want to serve, check mark whatever and give it to somebody on the way out. Because whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. I love this church, and so I will serve. I hope you love this church, and you serve too. Mother Teresa one time said, I am but a small pencil in the almighty hand of God, writing a love letter to the world. Northside, write it well. Let's pray.